Hey, Sam. Hey, Bev. Ah. Well, that was a baby pop this time. That was anticlimactic. It was because I started it early. Oh. That's all right. That's okay. You could still hear it, though, right? Oh, yeah. I still heard it. Hopefully it doesn't overflow. There we go. (laughs) All right. So what are you drinking over there? Mine kind of gave away a little bit of a hint, but... Well, I am drinking an Urban Artifact beer, and it's called The Gadget. Ew. Yeah, it has a really cool picture of a tulip glass on the front of it, and it is a raspberry and blackberry Midwest fruit tart. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. It says, designed by our taproom staff as an intricate experiment combining the explosive power of sour beer with the dangerous flavors of fresh fruit. Duck and cover. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks like a wine. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> when I take a picture of this one, I'll, I'll pour one out into a glass and photograph it next to the can because, yeah, it, it totally it, it looks like a wine, a fizzy wine. Um, and it's very tart and delicious. But uh, what are you drinking over there? So I am drinking what I used to drink in college. Um, Mm. I got some Andre, some California champagne, and I selected the Brute, which is the driest one you can get, I believe. Because it's confusing because there's Spumante, there's Brute, and there's Extra Dry. But Brute is on the drier end, and it has fresh notes of pear and lemon. And I'm drinking it out of our uh, Ward Off the Dicks with all the positive vibes camping cup that you can find on our merch shop. (laughs) Yes, because it's got this fun little, like, unicorn. And what does the unicorn look like it's doing? Like it's spooging positivity. That's what it looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Spooging positivity. Yes. I mean, that's a good way to start the year, right? I think that's a good way to start our podcast. So <laughs> welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. Woo! Yeah, that's Sam over there, the one talking yeah. about all the spooge. <laughs> of positivity. And that's Bev, the one that designed the spooge of positivity on this lovely <laughs> camping mug. And this is the Farm Comedy Podcast, in case you didn't catch the comedy part yet. And obviously we drink and talk about farming things. And we make a shit ton of mistakes, and then we tell you all about them. Yeah, we like to think that we have discussions that'll provide some new knowledge and entertainment, and most of the time we go off on tangents. It used to say sometimes, but let's face it, most the of time. the time. Yeah. 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 Um, and speaking of tangents, if you really like them, our BS is up on the Patreon, which is basically just a half hour of Sam and I bullshitting. Yes. But today we talked about some fun stuff like Coop Camp and what our favorite Christmas gifts were and how Bev almost lost it at the grocery store today. So you can go over there and check that out for free over at patreon.com slash drinkandfarm. Yeah, and the Patreon is also the place where you can support this podcast monetarily should you choose to. Um, you know, it, it's not free to put out a podcast. Um but that's partially why we have some advertising, but we also get a lot of sponsorship from the listeners, and our drinks this episode were sponsored by Montana Coombs at Thimbleworks. So cheers, lady. Cheers. 
And you guys should check out her page on Instagram. She makes these really adorable. And there's some even like not so cutesy like mannish ones. I'll say that. Um, the hen saddles. She also has t-shirts and all kinds of fun stuff. So make sure you go over and check that out. Yeah, I got a really great pillow as a Christmas gift for my in-laws. And it says we go together like moonshine and a mason jar. Because, you know, I drank moonshine while we were recording over at their house. So it was very appropriate. It is. So, yeah. Oh, and her shop is over at thimbleworks.co. And she does have a coupon code for listeners of this podcast. And the coupon code is drink and farm. And you get 10% off when you shop there. So do we have any follow-up this episode? We do. We just have one tiny quick piece of follow-up. I took a closer look at Stephen Ray Morris, and I also had a friend over that knows a lot about chickens, and she looked at him for me as well. And we have decided that his limp is indeed because his hip is disfigured. We're not exactly like sure whether or not it's something that can be corrected, But we've watched him run around and he does like this like funny little like skip hop and can actually move pretty fast, like fast enough where I can't catch him when he's Mm -hmm. running from me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we've decided it doesn't look like he's in pain. Well, that's good that he's not in pain and it's not Merrick's. And (laughs) yeah, so he's going to get to be our flock rooster until we determine that he is in pain or you know, his limp gets him into a predicament that he can't get himself out of. But he crows very cutely, and he's been a very good rooster so far. So Stephen Ray Morris uh-huh. will live on with his little limp, and I'm going to stop poking and prodding at him. But <laughs> I think what happened was we just uh, did not correct his spraddle leg correctly. So okay. it was a good lesson learned on properly doing the spraddle leg brace. I probably needed to leave it on a little longer or wind it a little tighter. That's my guess, so. Yeah. But if he seems like he's getting around okay, then, you know, it's all good. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. So I got a limping rooster. He'll be fine. He's so pretty. I get lots of compliments on him, so. So we're going to move right along into the episode. New Yay. year, new format. woo Well, we're trying it, but so far, I like it. So Good. Yeah. You like yeah. it? Yeah. I like it, too. Moving right along. It's kind of like putting on a new pair of pants, you know, like they're a little tight and restrictive at first, and then you kind of break them in. Uh, Maybe we should say like shoes. There we go. Yeah, because if my pants are tight, I'm like, screw this, and then I go put on a different pair. But shoes, (laughs) like if you really love the shoes, you you want to break them in, so. That's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. So one of the things we talk about a lot on this podcast is eating happy meat, But one thing we haven't really talked about is, like, how can you tell whether your meat is happy? Like, what does that even mean? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I remember one of my college roommates, when she would buy chicken, she'd get the organic. And she's like, doesn't it just taste happier? And I was like, no, it just tastes like chicken, and you paid a lot more for it. But (laughs) now that I'm, like, a little more aware of why and how and what the labels mean and all that fun stuff. Obviously, I can appreciate the meat that was treated more humanely. But you're, you know, there's, it's not like they slap a smiley face sticker on it and say, yep, it was happy. So I was kind of interested to see where this article was going when you showed it to me. 
Yeah. So researchers in Canada have started a study that is supposed to measure the happiness level in meat chickens. Well, I mean, how do you measure a chicken's happiness? Because it's kind of hard to tell whether a chicken is happy because most of the time they're just looking at you like they want to murder you. Yeah, they do look like they want to murder you unless, you know, you come out with a bag of grublies or something like that. Then they just look like they want to stampede you. Um, <laughs> with murder on their face. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but you know they're excited and they have the best of intentions, really. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I guess most of them do kind of have a little bit of a sourpuss. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we like to refer to it as resting beak face. Yes, exactly. So you can't tell how happy a chicken is by looking at its face, you know, like you can a human. Ah. Hmm. So how can you tell? <laughs> well, so uh, researchers at this university in Ontario, Canada, are putting chickens through a physical fitness and behavioral test. Um, and they're doing things like watching how well they scramble over barriers for food or how skittish they seem and whether or not they play with a fake worm because, you know, chickens can't tell you how they feel, but researchers are thinking that them playing is a sign of happiness. Mm. I don't, mm. I just don't know how to process this right now because... I don't know that my chickens play. If you really want to test it, I feel like you should give them a dead mouse to parade around because they're pretty freaking happy when they're doing that. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, and that's one of the things that I think these researchers are kind of looking into because, like, since they can't tell us whether or not they're happy, like, we kind of have to infer happiness by the way that they're behaving Mm -hmm. because, like... Animal welfare has kind of moved beyond looking at how to minimize suffering, and we're more focusing on how to also make sure that the animals are enjoying their lives, even if, you know, their lives are ultimately destined for somebody's dinner plate. Right. You know, whether you raise it yourself or a big company raises it. Right. So are they going to start regulating chickens' happiness? No, I don't think so. It it doesn't sound like this is going to become a regulation. <laughs> it's just that, like, so animal welfare advocates have been saying that, like, cruelty begins when, like, the chickens have been bred specifically so that they can be slaughtered at five weeks old. So they're saying, yeah. like, that that's not a happy life, obviously, because it's so short. Um, and also, like, they've been bred so that they're breasts are maximized and they're also saying that you know like they're crippled by pain because Mm -hmm. they're so big and like these animal welfare activists are also saying that like we need to switch breeds in order to have happy chickens but like people that work in the chicken industry are saying like no these chickens don't move around a lot because like the Cornish crosses are just sedentary okay, by nature. And I feel like I can kind of second that because even though I gave my Cornish crosses plenty of room to move around, they didn't. They just chose not to. Okay. Because when I see them at like the fair, they're all like crammed in a cage together and sitting there and they look pretty miserable. But yeah, <laughs> I think it's just because they're bred for that purpose. And like when they're sitting there at the fair, like it is time for them to go. 
Well, and also, like, keep in mind, too, like, fair birds, they weren't bred or raised for happiness. They were raised and fed so that they would be the biggest birds at the fair. So they would win a blue ribbon. Right. I mean, and that's kind of what's happening at some of these meat plants as well. Like, companies are having a hard time really understanding why something that is destined for the dinner plate should be happy. Like, they don't really get it. They're like, you're going to eat it. So, like, why does it matter? It's just... Like, completely different mindsets and a business mindset, farmer mindset, against an animal welfare person that may or may not really understand, or they just look at it differently, you know, through a different lens because of their vantage point. Oh, yeah. So, I think it all can be very valid, but I think it's just such a big topic. Chicken happiness. Who knew? Such a big topic. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, and that's what that's what people in the industry are saying. Like they sort of second um, my thought that, yeah, those that breed is just lazy. Um, They don't know if switching chicken breeds would necessarily have less lazy birds so that they appeared to be happier or more active. Um, But one thing that's definitely true is like switching breeds would cause our food costs to go up because they would have Mm -hmm. to be raised for longer. Yep. Which means more feed, more time taking up room in the chicken houses. Mm -hmm. Time is money in every industry. So I mean, that's definitely true. But yeah, they're saying that like these broiler chickens don't really end up having as many health issues as people think that they do. But like one of the things about the way that the industry is measuring those health issues is just like whether or not they die before they're slaughtered at five or six weeks old. Yeah, that's a pretty low bar. Yeah, it is. It's a pretty low bar to set. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like a... Tyson Foods has started doing something interesting where they ran a trial that let chickens pick from pens with various levels of light to determine Mm -hmm. whether or not they prefer being somewhere where there's sunshine. Mm -hmm. And the Humane Society of the United States says that stepping up living conditions does help, but it really believes that the bigger problem is that the breeding has resulted in disfigured chickens. And, you know, like their breasts are so big, their legs have trouble supporting them. But, like, one thing I think we have to remember about anything that the Humane Society of the United States says is that they are like PETA and that they think that any type of animal use is abuse. So it doesn't matter how good these meat chickens have. They're always going to find a problem with it. So Right. And there's that whole supply-demand thing. So if you want people to change their eating habits, you need to educate them on this situation and why where their food comes from and all that and you can't ram that education down people's throats you can't ram bias down their throats either like they should have the whole picture of why things the way they are the impact that it has on cost like it it's such like a this is where i just get irritated with this kind of stuff because it's it's not black and white there's so much gray And most of the time we just see the white or the black and we kind of feel forced to pick an extreme where there's, it's just more complicated. Right. And then at the end of the day, I just want to raise my own freaking food. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and so what's kind of cool about this study is that, you know, like people have been pushing for like quote unquote better chicken and like having a study that can definitively say 
you know, this is what increases happiness in something like a meat chicken, we actually will have an idea of what like better looks like. Cause you know, like we already have sort of started defining better as being like more natural living conditions. So, you know, being in the dirt and having access Mm -hmm. to grass and worms and sunshine and perches and like all of those ideas used to be considered extreme. Mm-hmm. But now those are all like normal ideas. So this is just like the next evolution in in animal welfare for animals that are destined for food. Right. But I don't know how well a broiler chicken is going to perch when it's time to be executed. So <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's like a half inch off the ground and then maybe they'll still be happy. I don't know. But I feel like happiness is so subjective and not all chickens are alike like anybody that has backyard chickens know they all have different personalities obviously the universal language is grublies but yeah some of my chickens like prefer like mealworms over scratch or vice versa so unless they're giving them all grublies all the time i'm not sure that you can standardize happiness but i can understand that they're trying to get closer to what the majority appreciates (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's good optics for companies to show chickens doing, like, natural things that chickens do. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. We'll kind of see how that pans out. Like, the study is not done, so we don't have any results or anything. But we'll be keeping an eye out, and we'll get to do some follow-up. I just – I thought it was interesting to talk about it because we just got done finishing an episode where we talked all about our happiness – And like, you know, that's like everybody's New Year's resolution is to be happy. Well, Mm -hmm. now it's the first week of January and we get to talk about how to make chickens happy. (laughs) Full circle farm podcast. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's cute and funny. And we also have to keep in mind this is one study. There are probably biases. There's probably funding behind it. So really, if you need to know chickens happiness, just give them should have. Multiple multiple studies and lots of grublies. <laughs> and that is Sam being cynical. Uh, I mean, that's a good way to start the year, too. Yeah, that's not going away from my personality. So. No. Hope nobody listening was hoping that Sam would get more positive. <laughs> I don't think anybody had that idea. Whew. Okay, good. <laughs> Do your chickens suffer from resting beak face? We'll make them peck peck grin when you open your Henny and Rue subscription box together. Henny and Rue is a monthly box put together by chicken keepers for chicken keepers and their flock. Each month you'll receive products that may not be available at your local feed store, build your poultry first aid kit, try new treats and coop products to keep your flock healthy and happy. And there are always fun gifts for the humans too. Go to hennyandrue.com and save 10% off your first box using code DRINKANDFARM. And as a subscriber, you can also visit the hennyandrue.com shop anytime to purchase select items and save 10% off every day on everything. Woohoo! Henny and Rue, better chicken keeping delivered. So I saw a pretty cute video on your Instagram the other day, and I thought, or maybe it was Facebook, I can't remember, but I thought it would be worth mentioning, um, especially if people still have their Christmas tree up, if it's managed to survive this long. Um, you can actually donate your Christmas tree to some farms that have goats um, because they think it's like a delicious treat. Yeah. And 
it was funny. I was a little nervous to have Jared videotape that. <laughs> we bought ourselves a GoPro as like our Christmas present to ourselves mm-hmm. so that we could take like fun farm videos and like share them with family and obviously like the Instagram and my Facebook page and whatnot as well. Um, and Drink and Farm will get to use it for a few fun things. So when you're out here, everybody will get to look forward to that. But when he was filming that, I was like, I'm a little nervous to put that on the internet because somebody's going to tell me that Christmas trees are poisonous to goats. Oh, my God. I was totally <laughs> expecting that because, you know, that's just like how the internet goes. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't do that. You're going to kill your animal. And you're like, well, what can I do? <laughs> but no, it Nothing. turns out Christmas trees are really good for them. <laughs> yeah. And they the goats think it's basically like candy, apparently. Um, it is important to note that if you're going to take tree donations if you have goats or give your tree to somebody you know that has goats, you want to make sure that the tree was not sprayed with pesticides or or it wasn't painted. Because apparently, sometimes they spray, spray paint trees. I didn't well, know that. Well, they flock it. <laughs> it's like that spray oh. flocking. That's what I'm guessing they're talking about that. Have you seen like a Christmas tree in somebody's house that looks like it has snow on it? I think oh. that's called being flocked. Well, I have chickens. Is that like I'm flocked then? <laughs> <laughs> Flocking Christmas tree. Ah! Um, yeah. So like our Christmas tree, we got it from a local tree farm that's mm-hmm. here in Ohio and they don't spray any pesticides or anything on it. So yeah, that was one of the reasons Perfect. why we got to give ours to goats. I forgot to mention that in my Instagram post. Hmm. Maybe I need to be more clear with people, but. <laughs> eh. You know, um, I feel like I like to an article where this jogged my memory that we should talk about it. Um, I don't think they mentioned that in the article, but apparently the farm in this article, they let the goats eat whatever they want off of it. And then they take the remaining parts of the tree out into the woods and let the wildlife use it as shelter. So I thought that was really cool that, you know, it's, it's kind of like a two part system for them. And yeah, I really like that. It's better than just like throwing it out on the side of the road and if you have the option. Now, here I have two fake trees, but I grew up with the real thing. So I'm slowly trying to work my husband to let me get one real one. <laughs> we'll see. The kitten only scaled the tree once oh, this geez. Christmas. So that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty good. And um, yeah, our Christmas tree. So the goats still have it. How many days ago did we film that video? It was, yeah, like three days ago we gave it to them. They're still climbing on it and eating off of it. So we're going to let them keep it until they're ignoring it. And then once it's done, we're going to run it through the wood chipper and use the wood chips to line or to start lining the path in between the garden beds. Oh, dang. Because right now it's all mud and dirt and like yucky stuff. And that's going to be covered in weeds if I don't put something over it. And Mm -hmm. wood chips seems like a good, you know, thing to put out there because they'll be continually breaking down. So I'll be feeding the soil underneath our our garden beds. So oh, look at you go. That's so crafty. I like it. <laughs> We're working on like a semi permaculture system over here. We're like doing our best at permaculture without like totally diving in just because mm-hmm. some things we have to do out of convenience because of our jobs and our lives and whatnot. But right. eventually we'll be there. Yeah. Baby steps of permaculture. <laughs> yeah. It's like a compounding effect, like small things over time. Yeah. That is like my theme for 2019. (laughs) 
I love it. I think it's a great theme. And in fact, like we'll revisit the Christmas tree thing closer, like in November. So we can remind everybody the benefits of having a real tree if they're able to, you know, like go out and find a real tree from a local farm. Right. But one thing that I did want to mention about having an artificial tree. So I've always had artificial trees because they were just Mm -hmm. more convenient. Um, But ours finally bit the dust a couple years ago. So we did end up throwing it away before we left Arizona because we weren't going to drag a broken tree across the country. Right. And we were going to replace it with another artificial tree because I was like, oh, this has got to be greener, right? Because you're not chopping down a living thing. You get to use them for like 10 years. But it turns out like they just have so much plastic and they don't break down very fast um, that they're not the greenest choice. And trees create oxygen, you know, while they're growing. Mm -hmm. And they're renewable because after they get chopped down, a new one gets planted in its place. Gosh, maybe that's what my calling in life is, to have a Christmas tree farm. I love it. And also have reindeer. Yes, yes, yes. I totally agree with that. Yeah, okay. But if you have an artificial tree, like, nobody should feel guilty about that. Just use the shit out of it until it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And then you can feel good knowing that you used every ounce of that Christmas tree that you possibly could and then get a real one. Unless it's super inconvenient for you to get a real one. Right, right. Or if you're like a renter or something like yeah. that and they <laughs> yeah, don't like you can't it. have one. I mean, yeah, because yeah. my real tree kind of made a mess and had a oh, lot of sap. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they're a pain too. There's like, mm-hmm. there's pros and cons to both of them. But I just thought I'd share that since it was fresh in my mind. No, that's, that's good. I think that's really... Because we're not into sh- tree shaming anyone here. I have two artificial trees. Um and you know which is probably excessive i would never want two real trees because that just sounds like a lot of work and mess but it's a lot of cleanup (laughs) hoping what's like the lights die on this other one the big one that you know because my husband's mother on christmas day she's like oh you can have this tree the one out in her living room she's got like very high ceilings She's like, you can have it like next year or something. And I'm thinking in my head, no, I want a real one. Don't, no, no. <laughs> but luckily I think it's too tall. So <laughs> I maybe we can't have it, which is fine. So Yeah, that'll work out well. Did you see the photo of me that I took next to our tree? It was adorable. I didn't realize how big the tree was until I saw myself standing next to it. Because... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you're about the same height as me, aren't you? I yep. can't remember. Yeah, okay, we're the yeah. same height. Yeah. I know. I was so excited when I saw you and we were the same height because it would have been awkward if I was like way taller or way shorter. Yeah. Well, like everybody <laughs> else that I've met off the internet has been like way shorter than me. And Jared's family always treats me like I'm super short and I'm five oh. six, so I'm not short. Like I'm average yeah. height. <laughs> But I was like, Sam's going to be like five feet tall and I'm going to be a giant next to her. And we were like the same size. I was like, yes. It's meant to be. I was like, we won't look weird standing on stage together at all. Right. Exactly. Or sitting. Or sitting. Yeah. I won't need a booster chair. Nope. No booster chairs required. Our first tangent of 2019. Yay. So you're on Baby Goat Watch right now, aren't you? I am. It's Baby Goat Watch 2019. Woo! We need like a theme song, like The Price is Right or something. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was in the barn yesterday 
and Diana was being kind of um, standoffish and weird. And I was like, oh, shit, is it time already? And so I went like online in a calculator. Now, she could have been bred before. It's possible. But the last time she was in standing heat and I saw her get bred was like the end of September. So I put the date in and like got a calculated due date of 2-29-19, um, which is obviously like you know, less than two months away now. Um, it could be before, could be after, just depends on like when it took and when she settled with the pregnancy. But I'm feeling pretty confident that she is prego, which is exciting. So I'm going to basically be in a heightened state of paranoia for baby go any day all in February. And it's already like setting in. I think like the excitement and the nervousness and the trying to focus all the positive energy her way for like nothing to go wrong because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I mean, we all have to start somewhere there, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it would be fun. I don't want to do it like every episode because it'll get boring. But anytime I'm noticing something different um, or something that I learned, I thought it would be fun to share it, especially since I know that you want to breed your goats. Yes, when you exactly. Can. That reminds me, I need to send a message to the breeder to ask him if I can get on their schedule. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. Clearly, uh, I'm just, I'm still hungover from Christmas. Not like uh, alcohol yeah. hungover, just, just like emotionally, <laughs> emotionally hungover. <laughs> Same. So um, I found this really fun article from Countryside Network um, and it's the signs of goat pregnancy because it's not like I can take my goat to the doctor and get like a cute little sonogram photo. Um, I probably could if I really wanted to but um, homegirl's on a budget so there are a few ways that you can tell if your goat is pregnant Um, so I'll go through them really quickly and Bev please chime in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but the number one thing that I noticed when I had suspicion of pregnancy for both of our does, um, was the failure to return to heat. So the heat cycle with a a doe is 21 days, give or take. Sometimes it's shorter, sometimes it's longer. Um, and that's specifically for a Nigerian dwarf goat, because those are the kinds of goats that we have, right? Right, right. I think it's kind of generalized, but... I feel like it's kind of like with women, sometimes there's are a little longer, a little shorter, you know, but it's around the same kind of time. Well, and I might be totally wrong about this. I believe that there's some breeds of goats that only go into heat during certain times of the year. Right. And Nigerian yeah. dwarf goats are not one of those. They have a year round cycle. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's real. Okay. So we'll correct ourselves if we're wrong next week. <laughs> next week. <laughs> yes. Um, and at this time, she will really want to be around the buck because I would see uh, Maya kind of flipping her tail. She clearly in heat, but she would run away from little toot like, haha. So she's kind of just like flirting, but wasn't really committed to the idea of getting with him. <laughs> <laughs> but Diana went into what my dad called um, standing heat. So she stood there for him and let him do his deed. Yep. Um, so she will want him to do that. Um, yay, consent. Um, not just for humans. Woo. Woo-hoo. So another sign is their appetite goes up and their milk production goes down. So obviously this only really counts if they were previously bred. Because if they're, you know, they've never kitted before, they're not going to have milk. Yeah. And some people don't know that. 
Right. My uh, 13-year-old didn't know that. He was confused on why we weren't milking the goats yet. And I was like, it's because they haven't had babies. And he's like, well, I know that. But still, why haven't we milked them yet? I was like, think of it like a human. (laughs) And we had a good talk. (laughs) So... If your goat has been bred before, you'll stop milking the goat around 120 days into the pregnancy if she doesn't stop on her own. It's kind of amazing that they just kind of know when to shut that down, but it's also good to kind of help them realize, and maybe I should like not be wasting my milk supply. Yeah. Time to start putting the energy into the... Exactly. So obviously I haven't noticed that. Um, she seems to still be eating the same amount, but when we have all of them eating out of the same trough, it can be a little tricky to monitor how much exactly they're all eating. Another sign is that her belly is tight. And, um, this is another one where I've been able to feel confident in knowing that they're both pregnant because if you're pressing on her belly in front of where the udders are, um, it's kind of hard and tight and an unbred doe is soft in that area. So it feels kind of like tight, but not like, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of like a balloon almost where there's still give to it, but it's like clearly there's tension there. It's just Yeah, I was going to say tension is a good word for that. And yeah. that's a good reminder to anybody who's thinking about breeding their goats. And I'll go do this on mine. I'll start palpitating their abdomens so that I mm-hmm. can get a feel for what you're talking about. So like I'll know what it feels like before they're pregnant. So that when I'm trying to figure out if they are, I'll know whether or not it's different. Right. Because it's hard when you don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. <laughs> um, you might also notice personality changes in the dough, like being a little more aggressive or standoffish. So I've definitely noticed with um, Diana that she's more standoffish like she was yesterday. Like all the other goats came running for the door for me. And she was just kind of looking at me like, eh, I do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But you also might notice a personality change in the buck. So we still have tutors in with everybody right now, which is totally fine up until the point of when they're about ready to go into labor or give birth. Then you want to make sure they're separated. Yeah. Um, And you want to keep them separated because uh, the buck will taint the taste of the milk if you're going to milk your does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if it tastes like anything he smells. Mm. Yeah. So you might notice a personality change in him. I actually did notice this yesterday. He's kind of more aggressive around um, Diana in the way that he like kind of kicks her away from the uh, the hay and the feed. He kind of like is like, nope, not for you. Um, and she, it's interesting. She defends the side of her body away from him that the kids sit on. So the kids sit on the right side. The Roman's on the left, and she keeps an eye on him while she's eating, I noticed. So they both are kind of a little paranoid of each other, I think. So that's how they fit in there. The Roman just shifts to the... I think so. Because they can... It's interesting, too, because some goats get really fat and look just, like, huge when they're pregnant, and then other ones, like, barely show. Yeah, and I was going to say, and some goats totally look like they're pregnant, and they're not. I made that mistake at the breeders a bunch. I was like, oh, is that one due soon? And he's like, no, she just looks like that all the time. (laughs) Right, so this other sign is a little more unreliable by itself, is that their barrel size increases 
And some, like we said, some does do that more than others. Um, it could just be that they ate a lot of hay that day. Um, they did suggest like measuring. So this is another thing you might be able to do is like measure them now or right before they get bred around like the, around their stomach. Mm-hmm. And then you can just periodically like measure and see if they're growing okay. in size over time. Because like, I don't know about you, but like when I get fatter, I don't really notice it right away. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's an extra inch on my hips. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it took oh, some time to get there. <laughs> Why can't I put these pants on anymore? <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of the same thing with them. Like they don't wear, they don't have to wear pants, but <laughs> although that would be pretty funny. Yeah. If a goat uh, wore pants, would it wear them on like all four legs, you know, like around I the middle? I think just the or... back. Okay. Yeah. That, that's how I would put pants on a goat, too. Some maternity pants, you know? Lots with a of stretchy stretch. stomach. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and to go along with that, their shape can, shape can change, too. Their right side might stick out farther than the left. And they may have a saggy belly if they've given birth before, which I thought was interesting. So this is Diana and Maya's first go around. So I'm keeping an eye on, like, their sides to see if one of them's popping more than other. The yeah. Other. Also a fun fact that I was not aware of because I haven't had to sleep in the barn yet. Um, goats can snore and apparently they get louder if they're prego. Hmm. So I'm tempted to like creep out to the barn in the middle of the night to see if I can hear her snoring. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I snored while I was pregnant. Oh, I snore all the time. So if I'm pregnant someday, it's probably going to be like way worse. <laughs> <laughs> Another way you can tell is if the udder swells. The udder of a goat that has kitted in the past may not begin to fill out until about a month or even just days before the kids do. But if it's the doe's first pregnancy, her udder should begin to gradually develop after six weeks after she's settled and become nicely rounded by 12 weeks into gestation. So I've noticed their area down there getting a little bigger. Um, so I'm going to keep an eye on that and see how that goes. Okay. And then finally, you might be able to see the kids move, which I'm pretty confident I saw yesterday. Um, it was like Diana had Mexican jumping beans in her right side. It was <laughs> or pretty Chipotle. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And my husband saw it too. So it's either she's got a couple, one or maybe two in there. Uh, Or she could just have really crazy gas and maybe they're not pregnant at all and it's just wishful thinking. But I've seen two mount them multiple times. So I'm feeling pretty confident that something's going on there. Um, You can see or feel the movement around three-ish months, which is where we're at now. And yesterday is the first time that I really noticed it. So fingers crossed we'll have baby goats in my birthday month. Yay. <laughs> well, and it's funny that you mentioned the crazy gas thing because yesterday we were sitting on the back porch and we heard a goat fart from the pasture. <laughs> and I mean, you've seen the pictures from my back porch. Like the pasture is yeah. pretty far away. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was just really backed up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I looked at my husband. He's like, oh my gosh, that came from the goats. I was like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, we'll keep following up on yeah. the saga that is Diana's pregnancy. Well, and Maya might be pregnant, too, right? 
Yeah, because her belly's tight. Her udder's gotten a little bit bigger. And I feel like I saw a little something moving around yesterday. But she might be just like a little bit behind Diana, too, which is fine. I wouldn't mind if they were spaced out a little bit. But we need to get to building in our um, in our barn to have a separate um, birthing area um, for the goats. So... That'll be interesting when we start doing that. And that I told my husband yesterday, I was like, we need to get moving on this <laughs> just in case like they're a month earlier than we expect. You know, we want to just make sure we're extra prepared and have everything on hand. So I'll keep you guys looped in on all the prepping. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one thing you can do, too. My breeder had um, just like a collapsible pen that he Mm. set up outside of his main goat area. So most of the does and kids stayed with the herd. Um, He only separated when a mom had quads because quads are really stressful. You know, like Mm -hmm. how can she feed four (laughs) new baby goats? So he keeps the quads separate so that mom has a chance to, you know, like really pay attention to all four of them and whatnot. Yeah. Because Tonks is from a quad Oh, yeah, <laughs> which is really sweet. Yeah, we just have um, Loki in with everybody right now, though. So we oh, need yeah. to like build a second. We already have it like partitioned off, but because Loki wanted the girls so bad and the girls wanted him, they broke the door. Oh, because it was just like a chain link type situation. Yep. Um, so we're going to we have a bunch of pallets and stuff. So we're going to build it up and section it off and. We're actually going to have, like, two birthing areas, we think. One that's smaller for when it's actually happening. (laughs) And then another that's bigger um, for them to run around in. So then we're going to have to figure out, like, separate, completely separate area for two um, with outdoor fencing. Yeah. And um, you have to make sure that he isn't up against their fence because apparently they can breed through the fence. (laughs) Yep. Yes, they can. (laughs) Yeah. And you have to be really careful of that too because Nigerian dwarf kids uh, can actually become like sexually active around like seven or eight weeks sometimes. So tricky goats. Lots of work to do. (laughs) Well, we have some housekeeping. We do. And it's weird because it's at the end. I know. It's okay. New yeah. year, new format. Yeah. We'll see how it fits. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, don't forget to take our survey. Um, we like the feedback that we get, whether we totally agree with it or not. It's nice to know that you care enough to give it to us. And that's actually one of the reasons why we're changing up the format. It was because we received some pretty insightful feedback. Um, so, Bev will link to that in the show notes. And you can go ahead and we really appreciate it if you take the time to respond to that. Even if it's just like, you guys are great. We love you. Don't change anything. Like, that feels good, too. Yeah. (laughs) It makes us feel like we're not just talking to each other. Yeah. Which, it's totally fine if we are. But, eh, you know. (laughs) And join our Facebook group. We'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Our Facebook group is where people just, like, chat about farming things and drinking things. It was really active on Sunday, this past Sunday. I noticed there was like a ton of people posting. So that was really fun to see. And I mean, some of the posts were a little sad, like somebody lost their one of their chickens. But mm-hmm. it's a great place to come and feel supported even in those dark times. So um, and to celebrate the good things, too. So come check that out. 
Yeah. And review us in all the places. Yes. And if you really like us, hit the subscribe button because apparently that's what people look at is how many downloads you get. So if you love us enough for us to take up a little space on your phone, um, we would be forever grateful for that. It's a great way to support the podcast for free. Yes. But if you have a few extra bucks and you want some merch, Sam makes some pretty sweet merch over at drinkandfarm.com slash shop. Yes. And we also have a second merch shop for the stuff that Sam doesn't want to make, like shirts and hoodies and camping cups and things like that. So if you go to drinkandfarmmerch.com, you can go ahead and purchase some of that. I am wearing one of the hoodies right now, and it's so comfortable, and I basically live in it. So trust me, you want one. Yeah, and you can get a really cool unicorn spooching yes. camping cup. Yes, that is where you get that, the vessel that I'm drinking out of today. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and don't forget to send us your farm stories. Yes, the good, the bad, the ugly, things that will make our hearts tingle with joy. Uh, maybe shed a little tear. Send us anything. We want to read it. Um, you can DM it to us on Instagram at Drink and Farm, or you can email them to drinkandfarm at gmail.com. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate you spending a little bit of your time with us. Yeah. So drink, farm, and, and give, give zero, zero clucks. clucks. Bye, guys. Bye.